Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? It's Nick here in the Houston Outposts. I'm going to be handling this mission solo dolo tonight. Uh, Papa Tom is en route to Pittsburgh, currently trying his luck at uh, seeing if he can get the Steelers to look at a resume for the open Time Lord slash Challenge Lord position that they're looking for. It is Season 1, Episode 76 of the Steelers Outpost Podcast, and we are a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. Got a couple pieces of news for you guys today and a so far eventful Steelers offseason, if you can even call it an offseason. Super Bowl hasn't even been played, and here we are a couple days, well, about a week before another Patriots Super Bowl. So I can only be doing as well as one can be in those situations. Uh, no Super Bowl this week, but there was a Pro Bowl, and it should come as no surprise to any of you guys that somehow even this managed to go poorly for the Steelers. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster, star wide receiver for the Steelers, was hurt in the Pro Bowl. He left the game with a knee contusion, which is a good news that they, which is good news, I guess, that they only described it as a contusion. We don't really have an official diagnosis on what happened. Hopefully, it is just a bone bruise or just a bruise. Obviously, they didn't want to play with fire in the Pro Bowl, so um, it didn't seem extreme. But naturally, everything that can go wrong has gone wrong in this offseason. And so it did again at the Pro Bowl, which brings up a question. Not really a question, but a statement that we've been talking about for the past few weeks here over at the Outpost. And the statement is, stop playing the Pro Bowl game. And I would put players getting injured, I would put that as my second reason for not playing the Pro Bowl game. The first reason is it's boring as crap. They don't even play football. It's not even flag football. Jalen Ramsey scored an offensive touchdown. Does that sound cool to you? I mean, kind of, but nobody was covering him. It would be cool if he was scoring offensive touchdowns for the Steelers in the black and gold next year. What about a trade, guys? What do you think? Just kidding. But either way, uh, in all honesty, the Pro Bowl... Uh, some people say it's meaningless. It's not meaningless. It's a big deal for the guys to uh, be named as a Pro Bowl or be named as an all-star player. People reference this when they're looking at guys for the Hall of Fame, too. So you could say it doesn't matter all you want, but it does really matter at the end of the day. And it's an honor in any sport to be named part of an all-star team. One of the big issues with the Pro Bowl is, yes, it's a contact sport and you don't want to risk injuring yourself in the game. So a lot of people end up dropping out, even if they only have minor injuries. And then so we see a lot of alternate players make the Pro Bowl. Obviously, the Steelers had Juju and TJ Watt, who were uh, let in as alternates. And I think that was uh, that was worthy. I mean, I think a lot of Steelers nation 
wanted to say Juju and TJ were snubbed from the Pro Bowl. I wouldn't say they were snubbed. I'd say I could see them making it, and I could see why some other guys got in above them. You know? Um, I think that they were right on the fringe, which is really a great place to be in your second year in the NFL, and hopefully next year they can earn it outright. But besides some beasts like that, uh, with all these alternates uh, and the alternate situations in the Pro Bowl, you end up with freaking Mitchell Trubisky and Dak Prescott playing in the Pro Bowl. These guys aren't even borderline all-star quarterbacks. Some people might even call them mediocre quarterbacks. That's how far down the list you have to go. Look at how many (laughs) Pro Bowls that Andy Dalton has been invited to as a backup date. That'll tell you everything you need to know. But I do think it's valuable to still have the Pro Bowl, to still have an all-star team. And Sometimes I think, well, why don't you just name the all-star team and that's that, kind of like what they do with the all-pros. But I know that the NFL wants to make some money off of this game, and honestly, the players do want to have some fun, and it would be nice for them to have a vacation. Wish it was still in Hawaii, but now they get whisked off to beautiful Orlando. You guys ever been to Disney World? I think they should. you should let them go to Vegas instead. That would make it a lot more interesting. And then we'll see, we'll see them play the morning after and just uh, see how everyone's sense of direction is. But I have an alternative. Just do the skills competition. And not just the skills competitions. Let's get more creative with different ways that you can make these guys compete with each other. Because I don't even think they really need a monetary prize at stake like you have with the Pro Bowl uh, in order to compete. I think you should put one there just, you know... uh, to raise the stakes a little bit and because it'd be nice for them to be able to pay for their whole vacation or just get a little a bone here or there but these guys will compete and some of the skill stuff is pretty cool when you see the accuracy competitions with the quarterbacks i'm i'm surprisingly captivated by that kind of stuff dodgeball that's been a great addition they just need to take some of the linemen out of there that's pretty useless right but uh, i've come up with a few other a few other skill competitions that you could have that are maybe a little bit more unconventional but would make for good television. And I think that these guys would get really uh, competitive in this, aside from the skills that they already – skill challenges that they already have, like the QB accuracy and the obstacle course. Those things are all cool. But why don't you have like a Madden competition? And we don't want to watch everybody play a full you know, half-hour, hour-long game of Madden, but you could do condensed versions and show what happened. I know those dudes are super competitive when it comes to video games, really when it comes to anything in life, but that's a pride thing in a locker room. Who's the best Madden player? Who's the best NBA Live player? Well, have a Madden tournament, and they'll compete with that, and you'll get a bunch of great uh, content from the trash talking during the game, and you could hire, like, you know, Bill Burr or somebody or um, uh, just good comedians to commentate on the event and kind of cross promote that way and just hype this thing up bigger than it is a three point shooting contest basketball. Every NFL player fancies them, <laughs> fancies themselves a, a basketball player. Most of the quarterbacks can play. I've noticed over the years, it kind of goes hand in hand. You got that hot, that particular type of hand eye coordination to be able to shoot a basketball and be able to throw a football. And then some receivers can ball a little bit. Some of them can just jump, but some of them, they can really play. Um, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. T.O.'s okay, wasn't he? You would think Larry Fitzgerald would be pretty good. But I would love to see a three-point contest. I was going to say suggest originally like a three-on-three tournament, but then again you, you uh, add the, it, the risk of injury again. And the NBA All-Star game is 
just as boring as the Pro Bowl. So uh, because they're also sandbagging it, they don't want to get hurt. But a three-point contest would take the risk away from injury, and these guys are going to be really competitive, and I'd like to see who's going to win that contest. Again, get a great commentator. It's going to generate great content. Maybe a little Adam Lefko, Chris Sims, who knows? And then the last one I was thinking, I need to work on this a little bit better, but what if you had like a play-by-play competition or like an ESPN host competition so that the play – yeah, maybe not play-by-play. That would be brutal. That's a very difficult learning skill. But maybe you could set up some sort of situation where they got to have a mini production of their own little ESPN segment kind of has a way to, I don't want to say get back at the reporters from over the years, but maybe, yeah, maybe they could take some stabs, you know, um, players with reputations like a T.O. or somebody like that from back in the day who's got a reputation now odell odell gets a lot of crap for no reason he would have a chance to give some people crap uh for no reason as well when they maybe they talk about the media members or they talk about something else obviously not their fellow players that's not a great idea unless you want to add brawl to the list of skills challenges but maybe it would also give them a little bit more of an appreciation for what the the media side does i don't know i think a lot of guys they would be pretty boring as far as that goes but you you always can catch those people like emmanuel sanders maybe uh i'd say ramon foster if they actually voted him into the damn pro bowl but there are guys out there who could be really interesting with that and it'd be cool to kind of mesh those two worlds but those are just my thoughts for how you can make the pro bowl more interesting i do think it's valuable if you had the, the risk of injury be lowered you also wouldn't have the watered down crap of people getting to put pro bowl next to dak prescott and mitchell trubisky's names when they in no universe deserve that honor sure i hope that they get there at some point i don't really i'm a steelers fan but you know for the success of young men sure good for good go for it but they're not even in the hemisphere of some of these other guys so it would it would take away from that because people wouldn't have to bail out of the pro bowl for fear of getting injured unless they're worried about uh, some sort of hernia situation in the three-point contest but that's the pro bowl didn't go great for the steelers (laughs) because juju's hurt and uh hopefully he's okay though like i said it didn't seem that intense but moving on with Steelers news, um, Mr. Rooney, he spoke again a couple times in some interviews and had some big talking points. Uh, one that doesn't really require too much description is he did formally say that they'll be re-signing Ben pretty soon here. I think we can look at the Steelers re-signing Ben. You might uh, see who else they re-sign. They always generally have a surprise or two for us when we think someone's going to get cut and they end up staying. I think that's going to happen a lot this year. A lot of people on Twitter are making lists of if you cut Gilbert and Dupree and Burnett and him and him and Bossick and this and that and Foster and everybody, if you cut everybody, just cut everybody. You're going to have all kinds of salary cap space to sign those B-plus free agents you've been looking for. Um, some of those dudes will get cut, but they're not all getting cut. The Steelers aren't just going to decimate their depth chart like that. So Ben should be getting that contract in early March. I think we'll get an idea about some of that other stuff. And then obviously the, the wide receiver, who's <laughs> that, 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 that number 84 guy, we'll probably figure out a little bit more about him when March comes around. But it is nice to hear Rooney address the Ben contract formally. He also said he wants to re-sign the entire offensive line, or he at least said that he expects them all to be back, which is a little bit surprising because Gilbert 
hasn't really played for two years. I mean, he's been in maybe half of the time, and the Steelers have acquitted themselves nicely without him. So I think a lot of us agree that it would open up some salary cap space if you let the guy go. And then, of course, there's been talk ever since last preseason about Ramon Foster, this being his last year in Pittsburgh. But it sounds like they want to resign everybody. And they said they wanted to resign Le'Veon Bell. And look where he is. So I don't know how much that actually means. But honestly, I, I like the idea of resigning all of them, particularly when it comes to Ramon Foster at guard, BJ Finney as his backup guard, and Marcus Gilbert at tackle. If you could get two of those three guys, I'd be happy. But if you could get three of the three, I'd be extra happy. And it's because I, I'm assuming we're going to lose Antonio Brown. And I hate to break it to you guys, but anybody who, who wants to be living in la-la land and saying, oh, Antonio Brown's going to be gone, it's going to fix the culture, and the Steelers are going to win, that's just not how the world works. That is an enormous loss for 2019 and the Steelers I would think would be lucky to make the playoffs if Antonio Brown is gone now I don't want to be doom and gloom there are things that it could open up for the year after if you can still keep some continuity if Ben doesn't fall off a cliff like some of these older quarterbacks end up doing hopefully he still has a few years left in him Um, then you know once his contract's off the books you might have room to sign some more people. You might have some more development. But look, man, this defense isn't going from bad to great in a year, right? And if you lose somebody like Antonio Brown, who there really is only one or two guys in the league that are like him, such a force, such a mismatch, such an enormous piece of offense, if you lose that guy, you're not going to have a great offense either. You could still have a good offense, but a good offense and an okay or a good defense isn't going to win you the Super Bowl and camaraderie. Which, by the way, I don't think that he's had much of an effect on the camaraderie inside the locker room. A lot of people have been interviewed talking about, yeah, he does crazy stuff, but he gets the job done and he's a good teammate in other ways. You know, whatever you want to say for that, I don't think he even takes that much away from the camaraderie. But the Steelers are screwed if Antonio Brown leaves, at least for this upcoming year as far as Super Bowl chances go. So that being said, I'd like to keep your strengths as a strength, or as many of them as you can. The trenches, the offensive and defensive line for the Steelers are very solid. I think that the defensive line could use a little bit of an upgrade here or there, but we'll see what moves they make in free agency in the draft. But if you lose Antonio Brown, and then you still might be able to field a a good offensive line, but remember, you've lost Mike Munchak as well. And even if you just lose Gilbert or you lose Gilbert and Foster, what happens to your depth at that point? The Steelers have had fantastic luck um, and good fortune on the health front for the offensive line for the past two years. Sure, Finney has to cycle in, Chooks has to play for a game here or there, and, and different guys have to, you know, Chris Hubbard had to play for a little while. Different guys had to come in and acquit themselves well, and they did so because it was usually one guy at a time. There were one or two games where you had to, to get two guys in there, but there's such great continuity on the rest of the line that the Steelers, were, the Steelers were able to weather that storm. Well, if you lose Foster and Gilbert, what happens the first time Finney gets injured? You literally don't have a, like a, a legitimate player on this roster to put in for him at that point. Filer, uh, okay, at guard, sure, I guess, but what I'm trying to say is that 
depth is one of the most important pieces towards offensive line. And even if you lose some of those top end guys, you're going to be running a huge risk for next season. And then I don't even know what you have with your team. So why don't you just keep those trenches firmly entrenched as strengths on your team? Because they're not going to save you a ton of money by getting rid of those guys. And you could really be crippling your team, assuming you're losing an Antonio Brown. So I like the sound of it. I would predict that since he said that, I think they might get two out of the three. I wouldn't be shocked to see three out of three. I'd be a little bit disappointed to see, you know, two of them gone. But we'll see what happens. I like where he's coming from. But speaking of AB, uh, obviously we know he's he's probably gone. Moment of silence, everybody, for all of our quality of living. A moment of silence for our enjoyment on Sundays and a moment of silence for my achy, breaky heart. I cannot imagine seeing Antonio Brown in another freaking uniform. And unfortunately for me, I didn't even have to imagine it because the guy freaking posted a picture of himself to Instagram in a 49ers jersey hugging Jerry Rice. And I posted on Instagram about this the other day, trying to give you guys a little bit more content here and there on Instagram. I know it started a little bit slowly, going to be a little bit more consistent. But since we just uh, we only have one day a week where we can really afford the time to get a full podcast, I want to get some more thoughts out there during the week. And I talked about the Antonio Brown brand and some of the reasoning for why I think he is trying to get out of Pittsburgh. And I think some people are either overcomplicating it oversimplifying it or just not looking in the right places. And I think maybe the biggest reason, or at least one of the biggest reasons for him leaving, no, the biggest reason for him leaving is the Antonio Brown brand is his number one priority. It's why you see him after the Steelers beat the Patriots, frowning at the podium, terrible time there, or when he has a huge game, when the Steelers lose, you know, like after the Saints, he's in a great mood because he had his 14 catches and his couple touchdowns and everything like that. It is all about stats for A.B. And, you know, say what you want, uh, his interests coincide with the Steelers' interests. When he gets great stats, they usually win. So it's kind of a happy relationship when it comes to that, right? And I don't. Th- I think you have to be careful when uh, when accusing NFL players of you know not wanting to throw in for the team because it's the same thing we brought up so many times with the Le'Veon argument is that the team will cut you immediately the second you stop becoming useful. This is a business, so if somebody wants to make sure they're in the best situation to continue their career, I understand that. Um, but this. With A.B. seems to be a classic diva wide receiver situation. I think, honestly, A.B. has the title of number one greatest receiver of all time in his sights. And I mean that literally because there is a guy, Jerry Rice, who is at the top of every major statistical receiving category that it is. And he is so far ahead of everybody else that he is considered the de facto GOAT. The GOAT, the greatest of all time when you look at him. Now, when you look at him, you compare his tape to Calvin Johnson or, you know, um, Randy Moss, see if, if AB keeps up this production for a while. Is he the de facto greatest of all time? No, you can't say that when you watch the tape. But the number, I mean, of course he's up there. But, but you can't say, well, he, Jerry Rice is obviously so much better than Calvin Johnson was. Well, I don't know about that. But the thing is, 
Jerry Rice played for 20 years. He played for back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And then even when he went to Oakland, played in Rich Gannon's MVP season, right? If I'm getting that correct, I believe he did. If I'm wrong, tell me on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. So there are a couple things that factored into his career that let him get these numbers that are so far ahead of everybody. Now, if he only played for 15, 16, 17 years, he'd still be in first. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. He's easily one of the top couple greatest receivers of all time, but he's very far ahead, seemingly uncatchable. But, no pun intended, if anybody could catch up with Jerry Rice, it's probably Antonio Brown. He's already got these huge numbers The statistics for receiving in the passing game in the NFL are escalating so quickly. That helps him a lot. And he takes care of his body better than anybody else in the whole league. And he is good at protecting himself and not taking huge hits and stuff. And he has good durability. So he could be a 20-year guy. Also, his game isn't predicated on speed. It's predicated on precision, route running, and hands, and, and, and nuance, and finding a way to get ahead of a guy and box him out. So... I think that he legitimately uh, believes he can get to that number one status. That's why you see the Jerry Rice fetish all over his Instagram. He posts the pictures of him when he uh, puts the fat head, half Jerry Rice, half Antonio Brown in his own house. And he knows that he can't get those astronomical numbers if there is a Juju Smith-Schuster taking targets away from him on his own team. I don't think he's mad at Juju or anything like that at all. I just think he knows I want to be on the team. I don't care how good or bad they are. That's why he wants to go to San Francisco so badly. I don't care how good or bad they are as long as I get 120 catches per year and I'm in these commercials and everything else. And that's his. I think that is the biggest reason for leaving. Now, I think what's pushed him over the the biggest re- excuse me let me backtrack for a second the biggest reason for leaving being he wants those 120 catches a game and he knows those days they're probably over you know i still expect him to have 100 catches if he stays in pittsburgh please god lord football jesus anybody who's listening keep him in pittsburgh i know it's not going to happen but he knows that he's not going to get those psycho numbers anymore because there are more options on offense and everybody knows the steelers threw a little bit too much last year so you could even see their Numbers going down even a little bit more next year. So I think that's why he's trying to get out of there. He's trying to get back into that situation where it's just all A-B all the time. I also think that he did, he, 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 he did get very pissed at Ben Roethlisberger. And he has been liking posts all over Twitter for the past week of people trashing Ben and saying, hey, you should read both sides of the story. It's not just A.B., it's Ben. And he's liking it. He's He knows people are researching this. He is sending a message on purpose to tell people that he's mad at Ben. And we don't know what happens behind closed doors. It sounds like people have talked about they've kind of had a love-hate relationship over the years. Um, that makes sense. It, it could be hard. You know, Ben... Those interviews, man, I mean, we've said it enough. We don't have to reiterate the same thing on every podcast, but they're dumb. You, can't, you don't call out your teammates in the media. Even if it is a, a fairly innocuous call out, like, oh, he needs to run through it. He needs to catch that. Oh, he needs to run that route flatter. That, it doesn't do anything. Nobody's getting motivated because they're like, man, I could uh, lose my job or my starting spot uh, because I'm not making plays, and I don't really care. Until Ben talks about it on his Tuesday radio show. And that's when I know I need to make a change. It's not how it works, man. The only thing that's going to happen in those is that the media is going to turn on you and your players, your teammates are going to be annoyed at you. So I think that AB is, is 
justified in being pissed at Ben for that interview he gave after the Denver game, but obviously I think that AB's taking it way too far. Like, oh, you're, you're mad, so you want to now leave the team? It's clearly not that simple. He is trying to spin that story. He is trying to make it look like Ben's just completely unworkable. I can't work with him at all. So, but that's not the case, man. This is really actually a very cleverly crafted campaign by AB. And I think another big thing that people aren't talking about is how much more famous he's getting right now from this campaign. And he knows what he's doing. He sends out these tweets that could be interpreted in any number of ways, like, uh, you know, open for business when he tweeted that. He, he leaves it intentionally vague. So people start asking, open for business? Does that mean he's open to staying in Pittsburgh? Does that mean he's already talking about trades for other teams? This, that. Either way, Antonio Brown is in the news every day. And it's hard for football players to become household names. There's really only like two of them. It's probably like Brady and Beckham uh, because Beckham has all those overseas like soccer connections and stuff like that. And he's sort of the, the champion of the millennials. But AB is getting his brand up. And I think a lot of this is... Uh, is a big campaign to make himself more famous and to get him in that position where he just has tons of catches all the time and cover of Madden and and this and that or whatever. And it's sad, man. I I don't leave Ben out of this at all. Like I said, that was, that was a dumb thing to do, but it seems like AB is taking it too far. And I do think he was really offended when his teammates gave Juju the MVP award. And that's why he keeps using the word like disrespected or unappreciated and that's just bratty and psychotic. Like, really, dude? You're an adult? Listen, Ben Roethlisberger's only got the MVP of the Steelers one time in over 15 years. Do you think that that award is directly a measure of who's the best player on the team? Obviously not. If the quarterback got it, the Hall of Fame quarterback got it one time. It's more of a symbolic award. It's not that serious. Everyone's giving Juju great credit uh, credit for being really clutch and having an awesome year. Nobody thinks that he's on the team, at least. Nobody thinks that he's better than Antonio Brown. But uh, it seems like he's taken that really personally. He feels disrespected, which I – that – come on, man. you got to grow up in that that scenario. That's ridiculous. But that's where he's at. And I think those those frayed relationships, whether legitimate or not, are what pushed him over the edge in addition with this brand stuff. But – that's probably enough on AB for today. Now, that's about it for right now for the Steelers news. Obviously, the, the Senior Bowl is wrapping up. We're going to get into the draft season soon. We're going to start uh, talking more about that. But honestly, um, a lot of it is open-ended until this Antonio Brown situation resolves itself, until we see what happens with this offensive line. We know that the Steelers are going to have to acquire some corners, some inside linebackers, and some, some obvious positions of need. But if AB has gone, then wide receiver – probably becomes the next obvious position of need. You're not going to rely on James Washington to come in as a number two next year. It's not like he left you with the same taste in your mouth that you had when Juju was there the first year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll get more into the draft stuff and the free agent stuff as we get closer to it. Uh, Super Bowl happening this this week. Obviously, we're going for the Rams, but I don't know, man. That's going to be a tough task. The one thing you could say for the Patriots is that every time they play in the Super Bowl, all 46 times in the past 10 years, it's been an incredible game. So we can hope that that's what they give us again. I will say, though, I do enjoy 
the Patriots Super Bowls more than any other Super Bowls aside from when the Steelers are in it because then I, I actually have an emotionally compelling rooting interest in the team that is playing against the Patriots. So we'll be going for that. But honestly, man, I think the Rams are going to have a really hard time. There's one thing that they have going for them, which is, of course, uh, an incredible interior defensive line which is usually the hallmark of the teams that can beat the Patriots. We know that edge rushing does legitimately nothing. They just decapitated the two best edge rushing tandems in the NFL in subsequent playoff games when they shut out Bosa and Ingram for the Chargers and then Ford and Houston for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it is nice to see you got one of the greatest defensive players of all time and Pitt product Aaron Donald teaming up with Indomic Sue, uh, Vontae's perfect beta version, and the interior line. So that's a nice advantage they can have. The Rams have Tlaib and Peters on the outside. Obviously, Peters, he's good for a 50-yard touchdown that he gives up every game, but he has made some huge plays before, and you might be able to see the, the Rams actually kind of lock up man-to-man on the outside. That's probably their best option is hey thank god the patriots don't have josh gordon we just got to put peters and Tlaib out there and just try and stop this battering ram of sony michelle rex burkhead and james white they had what was it 48 rush attempts last last week and they haven't been able to the rams haven't really been able to stop the run all year and you got Patriots in a Super Bowl. Tom Brady making those decisions. That's tough. But it is nice to see that Wade Phillips is the defensive coordinator for the Rams, and he has had some success against Brady in, in the past years, although this isn't one of the more talented defenses that he had when you compare it to Denver, which sounds crazy with all the money they spent in the offseason. But on offense, I guess real quick, uh, when the Rams are on offense, just which Todd Gurley are we going to see? It's a weird question to ask, what do you mean, which Todd Gurley? He's been consistent um, over the McVay era, but him only having four carries and basically getting benched for the Pillsbury Doughboy, C.J. Anderson, in the championship game, that is weird, man. I mean, he's got to show up, and he's got to show up big. And if he has a big game, then the... Rams have a great chance. If he doesn't, then you're going to be relying on Goff to do a lot of it by himself with the creativity of McVay. But just remember, McVay hasn't played Belichick in a Super Bowl yet, so we'll see how that goes. Who's going to make the play at the end of the game, Goff or Brady? We know Goff. We know Brady will. So who's you know who's going to get the ball last? We'll see what happens. I'm not even going to give you guys a prediction. I do feel like the Patriots will probably take this one. Um, I'll even say they'll take it by three because uh, all of these games seem to get close and you got to give the genius McVay man some credit on the other side. But this has been a long time of me talking in an empty room to you guys. And so credit to you if you made it to the end. But we had a lot of good stuff to talk about today. And I feel like we covered it. Pro Bowl, Rooney, A.B., Super Bowl, and don't worry, Steelers fans, it's going to get better. When is it going to get better? I don't know, but it will. And either way, we'll talk to you next week. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.